Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Together, because if it's not your will, you won't do that. Um, and so he did that. He definitely did that. And before I knew it, I had all the money raised for this trip. And I, I just want to thank you guys so much for just pouring into me financially and spiritually and prayerfully. And just through the, my whole life, you guys have just been great. And I thank you for that. Um, and you guys have uh, been a really big influence in who I am today and how I, how I do things today. So thank you. Um, so my first country I went to was Costa Rica. And we left September, somewhere in September, and um, we were there for a month. And the first week, where I was in, uh, first week I was in Costa Rica, I was in San Jose, the capital. Um, and I was partnered with an uh, organization called YWAM. If you don't know what YWAM is, it's, a, it's called Youth with a Mission. And what it is, it, is, is it has a DTS program and an outreach program, and they're usually combined. So people will... Kids and people will go and do the discipleship training program that they have and also an outreach program. So the discipleship is like three months and the outreach is like three months. But we partnered with them for, the, for our first month. And uh, for the first week, we were, at the San Ho- we were at San Jose. And what we did there was we kind of helped around the base a little bit. We kind of cleaned it up. We uh, went and helped. And we partnered with Homes of Hope and we helped uh, build a house we uh, laid the foundation for them, and then we also handed out Bibles for the first week. Um, and then we went to a small, small tourist town right on the beach, and uh, that was probably four hours away from the capital. And uh, my, my team, so uh, Adventure Missions has, uh, I had a group of 50, and we were, we were called a squad, that's what you call it. And um, I was on a team of seven, and it was all guys on my team. So... Um, my, my team, of, this team of seven guys with contacts the same age as us, we go to this, this jungle place with this, uh, ba- the, with this run-down base in the middle of the jungle, five miles away from the, the touristy town, and we were starting to worry because we didn't know how this was going to look like. Um, and so we got there, we, wa- we walked um, to our base, and we saw banana spiders. We, there's a swamp right in front of, right in front of our uh, porch, right on the other side of it, and there was crocodiles in it. There were poisonous frogs all over the place. There was howler monkeys in the trees, and again, our contacts were the same age as us, so we were starting to worry. And we're a group, we're a group of teenage guys right out of high school, so again, we were starting to worry. <laughs> so, um, so we were um, actually rented bikes for the month, and we bicycles, and we uh, just rode back and forth to the city, and we. Uh, went to the beach a lot, we played around, and honestly, since we were in the middle of almost nowhere, we didn't have as much ministry. We did some physical labor at the uh, base, and we tried cleaning it up a little bit. We even dug a trench for the plumbing and, and stuff like that, and we uh, just did a bunch of stuff, we, and we cut grass, with long jungle grass with machetes, and we did stuff like that, a lot of laborious stuff that needed to be done. Um, but one of the coolest things that I did um, in Costa Rica, in, uh, it was called Puerto Viejo, and we were there, and um, one of the coolest things we did was when we went and we did prayer walks. Well, we, we call prayer walks, and it's really it's just going out and just praying for people, praying for the city, and just whoever God calls you to go pray for, you do so. And so um, we were doing it one night, and we were in this 
kind of really sketchy, scary, small touristy town where there's bars all over the place. And uh, we were walking, and there's this group of guys that my group and I were passing, and they were all drinking, and uh, I knew God was calling me back over there to go talk to one of them, but I was scared. I did not want to go, and God said, you, you're going to go. <laughs> so he, he led me back, and um, it was through the Holy Spirit that I was able to talk to one of the guys, and I, just started, I, I honestly just said, man, I just feel like I need to pray for you. I feel like I need to talk to you and just encourage you in whatever you need to be encouraged in. And I, just, and I just told him, I feel like God wants me to tell you that he loves you and that he, you're his child. And this guy starts bawling his eyes out. Um, and he just, he just couldn't believe that someone would actually take the time to just talk to him and care for him. And he started telling me a story, and his story is uh, he got out of prison like a week before, or a week be, uh, before I talked to him. And... Uh, he just said, you know, I have a family, I barely know them, I'm addicted to this alcohol, and I just, I'm just at the bottom, and I just can't do anything about it, and, and I just have no one. And I said, God, God loves you, man. And I honestly didn't know what all to say to him, but I just said, God loves you, and God, God really does, um, he's right there next to you, and he, he, he just doesn't, it's just crazy how much he loves you. And, um, he just kept crying and crying, and I just said, I feel like God's calling you to be a better father, a better, better husband, and he's just right there, right, right there, right, waiting for you to just grab a hold of him. And um, he just kept crying and crying, and um, he, didn't, he didn't accept Jesus, but this guy at the end of it all was very thankful that I came up and just prayed for him, talked to him, and he, he prayed for me as, we, as I was leaving. So it was really cool just to see how God used me, used my team to influence this guy. And um, one thing that I hope is that he remembers this thing, this time that I was with him for the rest of his life. Um, and that was one thing we did a lot of prayer walks. Um, There's one of my teammates who did a prayer walk, and he was just walking. And he met a guy, his name was Kule. His, his name was uh, pronounced Kule, but it was spelled Kyle. <laughs> So, but he called himself Kule, and uh, this guy, once his, my friend was walking by, and this guy says, you're on a Jesus walk, aren't you? And we're like, what? We were blown away, and this, we had no idea who this guy was. This guy was, had thick dreads, big Rasta man, and he's like, you're on a Jesus walk, aren't you? Aren't you? And he's like, what? And so we went and talked to him, and he said, God gives me the power to encourage people who do Jesus walks and people who go encourage others. So it was really cool to see how God was using this guy to encourage us. Um, and so that's what we did in Costa Rica. Um, and then in Nicaragua, we, uh, in Costa Rica, one of the most, uh, the things that I learned the most was, um, how the, the thing that God told me the most was, okay, how, how far are you going to go to pursue me? How far are you going to go to do ministry because there wasn't much ministry and it was hard to pursue him because of all the the physical things that we were encountering and and we didn't have much of ministry so we were just kind of in a slump and God was just like this is a wake up call How, what are you going to do from now on because that's and that's what he just said and then um, we took a bus to Nicaragua it was probably an eight hour bus to, to Nicaragua and. Uh, we spent a, a month in Nicaragua, and we were at a 
based called Casa de Gozo, and it was, it's called House of Joy. And um, this base is like a boys and girls club thing, um, but it's for, like, Christians. It's like a Christian-based thing. Um, it started by a lady from the States. But anyways, we lived there, and the first week, our contact was not there. She did not come. Um, and we were stuck with people who did not speak really good English, and we were stuck with no, drink, no uh, drinkable water and dirty water for at least a month, or at least a week. And it was just crazy. And um, my team of all guys, we were uh, with a team of all girls from the same group, and we uh, were together in this place. And the one thing I learned just a lot of was just the importance of community, Christian community. Um, and God just totally used the, the sticky situation, that kind of the crappy situation that we were in to uh, build us up um, and encourage us in our faith. So we would do everything together. I mean, we did team time together, which was just, you know, praying together or just spending time with your team. We'd do that all together. We would watch movies together. We would pray with each other. We would do ministry together. Everything was together, and we just, we just fell in love with what God had for us. Um, and so these kids would come after school to this base, and they would come from three to four hours or six hours or whatever, however long they wanted to be there. And we'd play soccer with them. We would worship with them. We'd pray with them. We'd just do as much, you know, whatever they wanted to do. And we'd just kind of help them grow in their faith and help them grow in their understanding of God. And honestly, it taught us a lot as well. <laughs> uh, we, and that's where we kind of grow in our, grew in our uh, passion for kids, to serve kids and love on them. And that's pretty much all of our ministry was. We never really had anything else. We did do evangelism once or twice, but we were pretty much stuck in that place, and we made the best of it, and it was incredible, the things that God took us through. Um, so when, uh, when we were done in Nicaragua, we took a plane from Nicaragua to Rwanda, and we were in Rwanda for two months, um, and we were probably 10 miles away from the capital. So we were in a village, and we were partnered with a church, uh, a church in the village, and our ministry ended up from all over the place. We did, um, we helped build a wall for the church we were at. We would teach kids. We would play with kids. We would worship with them. We would do evangelism. We just do all sorts of stuff. And um, this was when I was in our different team. Um, and we just grew in love with just these kids. And we just loved playing with them, loved just spending time with them. Um, one thing that I learned in Rwanda, which was real important and something that, that God laid on my heart, was the importance of relationship and the importance of uh, how we should commune with others outside of our mission group. And so uh, because of that, um, God has, had led me to a lot of people, and I got to know them really well. And um, so there's one person I met. Her name was Grace, and she... Uh, this is the painting she painted for me, and I bought it from her. And she, she just has a crazy story of grace and how God gave her grace. And um, so anyways, her, uh, she was the only survivor from her family that survived the genocide. Um, and she just has this crazy story of how, you know, the, the Hutus, the Hutus uh, were the ones that attacked the Tutsis, and they're both different races of Rwanda. But the Hutus attacked the Tutsis, 
and she was there when they attacked her her house and her family, and she witnessed very many of her uh, siblings and parents die. And um, she she happened to escape and uh, live in the jungle for a while, but then she was uh, found and caught and then taken to a concentration camp. And she was beaten to almost dead and left for dead in a in a pit full of dead Rwandans. And she was fortunately on the top of the pit, so she didn't suffocate. But anyway, she eventually, when the uh, Hutus left, she was able to cr- climb out of the pit and get to a recovery camp. And she was able to survive that incident. Um, and she eventually found family to go live with for a little bit. But they eventually died from... HIV from from the genocide, and so she had no one left. Um, and the cool thing was is that she went and did a YWAM program uh, with in Uganda, and she did the DTS, the discipleship, and also the outreach. And within that time, she forgave the whole Hutu race. And to this day, she has nothing against them. And so it's just really cool how God had used her. We actually spent Christmas night there at her house, and she, got, she told us her story with tears, but she told us her story, and, it, and she just, it was just a story of how much grace God gave her and how much grace God was pulling her to give to others, and she did. Um, so that really influenced us, and we got to really know her well. Um, and she actually got in a car accident uh, a year before we had seen her, so she was recovering from that. But she just full of grace. Her story is full of grace. Um, so it was really cool to see her. Um, another person we met, um, his, his name was Emmy, and he was 15 years old. And, the, and uh, what happened is uh, before we came to Rwanda, a, another mission team came, and he got saved as they were sharing the gospel with him. And so uh, he, he saw us and wanted to join our group and, and do ministry and stuff like that. And uh, we got to know him a little bit and kind of where he came from. And there, there was a point in Rwanda where he was starting to take us to ministry, starting to take us to ministry sites, and we would share the gospel with people, and we would just pray for people. We'd encourage them, and, and we'd just do all these things. And it was just incredible to see how God was using him, a 15-year-old boy, to do that. Um, and another person I met was, his name was Simon, and he uh, I was just a little shack in the village we were at, and I, I was just walking around in our village, and I saw his shack, I walked in, and I, we started talking to, I started talking to him, and I, don't, I probably only talked to him for two hours that day, but the, the second day, I, came, I went over again and, and talked to him again, and I spent four hours talking to this guy, and he told me his story, he's a Christian, and he told me just how God has brought his life out of a life of just grief and a life of just misery into a life of just peace. And I was able to encourage him and just share with him what God has done in my life and just all, and we're just able to commune with each other and that was really incredible. Um, So in Rwanda, we would, we just got really attached to our contact and um, he but just meant something really special to us. I mean, we would spend a lot of time with him during ministry, and we would, we would take him out to restaurants, and he, I mean, we grew in relationship with him and, and, his, and his family, his kids, and they just, we just loved him, and they just, we just, and um, 
they just, I mean, I still remember them today, and I still am in contact with my contact in Rwanda today. So it's really cool how God has kind of woven these relationships overseas. Um, And Rwanda was probably one of the hardest places for me to leave because of all the relationships that I had made. And it was just, it brought me to tears at the end of it because God had just taught me so much about having relationships. And um, after, at the end of Rwanda, we got ready for leaving to Nepal. So Rwanda was a hot country, and um, we were going to Nepal in the wintertime. So it was like complete opposite weather. And I didn't have much clothing. (laughs) Uh, And what happened is when we got to Nepal, we realized that half of our squad's luggage was missing, and my luggage happened to be the one missing. So I only had my day pack on and my, a few, like a couple pairs of clothes, my passport, the important stuff, but a lot of everything that I had was not, <laughs> I didn't have it. So, um, so I lived out of my day pack for about a week, and I eventually got my backpack back. But um, we did a lot of ministry in Nepal. We did, uh, we went to temples. The temples in Nepal are crazy. Um, they put so much money into their temples. Um, and we'd go to the Buddhist and Hindu temples, and we would do intercessory prayer. We wouldn't do anything that was against the culture. We wouldn't pray for people inside the temple because that was very culturally and, and just wrong. So we didn't do that. But um, we did do intercessory prayer. We, we'd go on day hikes, and we'd hike up to a mountain, and we'd look over, over Kigali, the capital, and we'd pray for it. We'd do intercessory prayer over it. And then we would do... Uh, we went to an orphanage, and we played with kids. We went to an old lady's home. It was shut in home, and we were able to pray for them, and we just played with them. Um, and we also did a, did a bunch of hiking, did a bunch of trekking. We actually went and paid for a, a four-day trek, and we went and saw the most gorgeous scenery I've ever seen in my life. And we went, and we were hiking up this mountain, and we uh, actually did ministry there. There's one lady in this village, um, and this is a very big Buddhist village, but anyway, there's one lady who was converted to Christian, uh, who, was, who was a Christian, and we went to her house, and we encouraged her in her faith. We shared the gospel with her. We just worshiped with her. We prayed for her, and we even kind of showed her what she could do to, to keep reading the Bible and how she can go about her relationship with the Lord. And it was, it was just, um, God just really showed us just, how important it is for us to be in community with even the hardest people to get to, to with the Christians. So that's what God told us. And um, we actually went to a few countries, or a few um, villages, sorry. Um, and we went to two villages in the Chitwan region. And we, uh, the first village, it was the month that we were with all guys. So it was all, all the guys on my squad were together. And we are in this village. We, the ministry we did was we'd go to different um, Christians' houses, and we would pray with them, worship with them, um, just, just be in community with them. And that really taught me a lot about what the Christian church should look like. You know, should, um, they taught me a lot about how the Christian church should be just praying for one another daily and just being with one another daily and just just being in that sense of, in that atmosphere of just pursuing God always. Um, And we just did that ministry for pretty much the whole time. We had fun. We played soccer. But 
We pretty much did that ministry the whole time. And then the second village we went to in Chitwan, I was on a different team at that time, but we did some of this, a lot of the same ministry. Um, but there was one day that I decided to go and just go on a walk and just kind of process what God has been telling me, process what's been going on, just kind of being talking with God. And um, not even the first house I pa- I, I, I'm, I'm walking past, this guy is on his bicycle. He's, he's, bi- he's biking out of his house, and he, he stops me and says, Sir, I think I've, I feel like I need to talk to you. And so I, I said, okay. So I started talking to him, and uh, I talked to him for probably, probably an hour that day, and uh, I told him about what I was doing, who I am, kind of how God, God got me to where I am now, and, and just who Jesus Christ was. I shared with him the story of Jesus Christ. And he just was accepting of all of it. He's like, oh, that's really interesting. And, um, and then I asked him, sir, okay, what do you hope for? And he, he just looked at me, and he said, He's a Buddhist, so he's like, I I'll hope for peace and tranquility and stuff like that. I said, okay, what do you, what do you hope for once you die? What, what is the hope that you have once you're off this earth? And he said, well, I don't know. I was like, okay, well, this is what I hope in. I hope in that I, I've a, I have a hope that one day I will be with my father in heaven, and I have a peace to know, and I know that I will be because he has brought me through this, and he has grown my relationship. So I was able to share with him that, and I spent the next four or five days with him. Every time, every day after ministry, I'd go back to his house, I'd talk to him, and I'd just share with him more about the Bible, share with him stories, share with him just what God has been doing in my life. And eventually that guy got saved. The last day, I, was, I, I went to his house right before we took off for the next village, and, and the guy said, Josh, I feel like you're all, you will always be with me, and I feel like God is in my house right now, and I feel like his angels are in my house right now, and that and I, I will never feel alone because God is with me. So that was just such a testament to how God has used me, how God has used our team, even though it's, it was really hard. And we, so after that, we left for our next village. We actually took a bus and then a big truck up a mountain, and the truck was probably an eight-hour ride from... One, uh, one village to the next, and it was up the mountain. I mean, there wasn't much of a trail, but we'd go up it, and, uh, you know, we had all of our packs, all of our day packs, everything with us in the back of the truck, and we were sleeping on them. And um, we had people join us, so, and it wasn't a very big truck bed, but we had people join us, and they were, you know, they were sleeping all over the place, and we were all packed in in this truck, and we, eight hours to get there, and we, by the time we got to the place we were staying at in the village, we were dead, tired, and ready to be done. <laughs> but um, one thing in Nepal that was very difficult was the, the spiritual warfare that was there. There's a lot of spiritual darkness there, um, and especially in this village we, are, we went to, because this village was an untouched village. No missionaries have ever gone there before. And so we had the pleasure to be the first ones. Um, and so um, the first day we did some hiking and intercessory prayer over, there's villages all over the place. We did hiking and intercessory prayer for a bunch of the villages. We came back, and um, we were, that night we went to a, a kind of a community kind of thing, and uh, there's a handful of Christians in this village that came and uh, wel- welcomed us, and we worshiped with them, we prayed with them, we just shared life with them, shared, shared the gospel with them, 
And right when we were praying out and leaving, this was probably 10 or 11 at night, this, this lady starts convulsing from, from the group, starts convulsing. And we knew there was something spiritually wrong. Um, so we, we all immediately got around her, and we started praying for her, and we started just pouring out our hearts to her and just seeing what God would do and hoping that he would cast her out. Um, and we, nothing happened that night. And we decided, well, nothing's happening, so let's just go home and um, see. We'll go back to her house tomorrow and see what happens. So we went, and the, we were only there the village for four days. So the, the rest of the days we went, and we went to her house, and we kept praying for her. We kept just trying, trying anything to try to release this demon from her. And um, the thing that God taught us the most was we were going at it the wrong way. We were taking the idea that, we, that God gives us the power, and we were bringing a lot of pride with that. And so we would say, oh, yeah, we're the big, you know, we're the big Christians. We can take this demon out, and we can, we can, we got it, you know. And God just kind of said, that's not how it is. Um, so he, uh, he said, are you going to really trust me now? And when we left that untouched village, we all just said, God, we trust you. And we trust that if it's your will for this, this spiritual darkness to get out of this place, that you'll do it with your own power. And we honestly gave, and we, we worshiped him, and we said, we're giving it all to you because we can't do it anymore. We can't have this pride and go into ministry thinking that we, we've got it because we don't. Um, so that was just a true testament to, even though it was really hard, it was a true testament to how God calls us to truly trust in him with everything. So um, from Nepal... We, by the end of Nepal, we uh, were ready. We we're packing up for the Philippines, and Philippines again was like a complete opposite of Nepal. So, I dumped almost all of my winter clothes, and uh, I decided to just get rid of it. And because um, it was like ninety percent humidity there, eighty degrees all the time, and we, <laughs> so yeah, um, just complete change. And the first half we were there. Um, we were in this village. My team and I, we were in this village, and we um, were actually building a church right on the grounds of our, our property that we were on. And we were partnered with this guy um, who's from the States, and God has called him to build churches all around the world. And uh, anyways, we partnered with him, and all we really ended up doing to build that church was digging a lot and moving a lot of dirt with shovels, and that was about it. So, uh, and that was for the first half of the Philippines, and um, that, that God just taught us just, like, you really need to work. <laughs> um, but, and then one of the weeks of, in the Philippines, we had the PVT week, which was the parent vision trip. So we had one week in the Philippines where our parents could come down and do ministry with us, which was really cool. Uh, my dad actually came down to the Philippines, to Manila, and we did ministry, and our ministry happened to be bar ministry. Um, and we partnered with an organization called Wipe Every Tear, and the guy who started it is actually from Idaho, um, but he, he started it, and it's for, and what he does for the bar ministry is he uh, takes prostitutes out of the bars, and he puts them into homes and puts them into schools, because one thing that a lot of people don't know about the Philippines is most of the time you need a college education to have a job there to have a job anywhere, to have any kind of job at all. So a lot of these girls would be forced into prostitution, 
be forced into this life that they didn't want, but they were deceived into it. Um, so we partnered with the organization, and we went into these bars. And one of the first things God told me to do was to dance. God told me, God told me to say to go up to the stage where the prostitutes were and to dance with them. And I'm like, what? But I said, okay, God, this is all you. So I, so me and another one of my teammates, we went up and we started dancing with the prostitutes on the stage. And what that did was incredible. That opened up the whole, the atmosphere just changed. The atmosphere from just darkness to light just changed immediately. And these girls started to just playfully just have fun. And we, that opened it, opened it up to us being able to talk to the girls and be able to tell them about the organization we were with. And a lot of them were very interested in it. By the end of the, that week, we had about 20, 20 girls and lady boys go to the, the homes to check out the organization and check, the, you know, check to see how valid it is. But, um, by the, but I think only six of them actually did stay. Um, but the others went and went back to work. Um, but that was just such a cool ministry in itself because, one, we haven't done anything like it, and two, it really taught us to step out of our comfort zones. I mean, that's something that <laughs> a lot of people will just say no to, it, and God just wanted us to say yes, so we did. Um, so um, when we were um, on the island again, when we were... Um, the second half of the Philippines, we went and we were partnered with the church, and it was the Baptist church, and we partnered with them. We would uh, help set up any youth events they had, so VBS, summer camps, any other camps, all of that, and uh, we would just play with the kids. We'd worship with them. We'd share the gospel with them, um, and we just got really connected with some of the, Fili- the Filipinos in the church, and we really started to grow in community and relationship with them. Um, one of the ministries that I really liked in the Philippines and that I really start to, started to do more of was uh, the ministry of going out in the streets and finding adults or kids and either buying them lunch or sa- giving them sack lunches and then talking with them, sitting down with them, talking with them, sharing the gospel with them, and just praying for them. And through that, God has taught me just the, again, just giving me the passion for kids and for broken kids because some of these kids in the Philippines on the streets, they're forced into stuff that they don't want to do. So some, sometimes drug lords will come and make them go into business or whatever the case may be. But some of these kids are on the streets, and there's one kid we, that was on the street, and he had a really bad oil burn on his leg. And we, my team, teammate and I, we looked at him and we said, we can't, we can't uh, pass this boy. We can't pass this boy. We've got to go take care of him. So we decided to go to the closest pharmacy, buy bandages and, and all the ointments and stuff, and we decided to go wrap him up right there. And, and yes, it wasn't the best, best wrap, wrapping done or best bandages, but he didn't have anything, and he was limping. So we were able to help him in that, and we, gave him, we bought him socks, we bought him shoes, and this kid left happy with a smile on his face. So God just really used us, even on the streets of the Philippines, and we were able to connect with people in that way. Um, so overall, um, this whole trip has taught me just to tro- 
truly trust in the Lord and give it all to him, no matter what the consequences are or no matter what the situation is, like Costa Rica or Nicaragua, no matter what we were in, God really told us to trust in him and totally just pursue him with everything we've got and to never go away from that. Because if we do, then there's a really good chance we'll lose our way and we'll get off track from the, the road to righteousness. So God just really taught us that. And um, another testament to this trip in general is um, God has just kind of showed me and given me a heart for nursing. So now he's called me into the nursing program to L- in S- LCSC. And I'm going this fall, and I'm going for four years or longer. I don't know how long I'm going for, but um, and then after that, <laughs> after that, I'll be probably working a little bit and then probably going out and doing medical missions. So God has really put on my heart missions, and I just really want to prepare very well for it. So that's why he has done that. And I, think, I want to thank you again for just supporting me and making this trip happen because this trip wouldn't have happened without you guys. Thank you.